scripture passage this morning is John chapter 16. We found in your pew Bible on page 1678. John chapter 16, verse 4b through 11. John 16, verse 4b through 11. Starting the, ver- uh, the reading in verse 1 for context. All this I have told you so that you will not go astray. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when the time comes you will remember that I warned you. I did not tell you this at first because I was with you. Now I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness... Because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. So the reading of God's word, may he bless it to the hands, hearts, and minds of his people. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, enlighten us that we may see in these words the kindness of Christ. His love toward his disciples. And the way that we have come to experience your grace because of the Holy Spirit's work in the world of bringing us to a realization of our own sins and our need for a Savior. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I want you to think of events in your life that at the time seemed like disasters, seemed like the worst possible thing that could have happened. It was tragedy in the moment, hardship. It was hard for you to think that there was any way out of this, but then later on it turned out that that thing you seemed to think was the worst thing that had ever happened to you turned out to be one of the best things. That ever happened to you. The beginning of our passage this morning, where Jesus is speaking to his disciples, is sort of like that. You see, this is his farewell discourse. And he's been saying goodbye for some time now. That is, Christ has been saying goodbye to his disciples. And it's hard for his disciples to grasp how it is exactly that Jesus leaving could be a good thing. To them, it's the worst thing that could possibly happen. And so as they are self-absorbed in this sorrow, this grief, Jesus even saying in verse 6, you're filled with grief or sorrow has filled your hearts. He grabs them. Jesus grabs their attention. He calls them out of this Self-absorption of how woe is me because 
my rabbi is saying he's leaving, he's going to be gone, with a question, a question they didn't ask. None of you have asked, where are you going? And then he begins to tell them the positive side of things. He says, you're focusing on the negative, but I need you to be informed about the positive side of things. That God's redemptive plan for humanity is actually advanced by Jesus' departure. Because Jesus' departure makes room, makes way for the Holy Spirit's arrival. That's why our theme this morning is that Christ must leave so he can send the Spirit. Christ must leave so that he can send the Spirit to convict the world. And we're going to look at three things that the Spirit is going to do in this world in terms of conviction. He is going to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Now, before we get into the passage, there's a little bit of a debate over what exactly convict means in this passage. The Holy Spirit is going to come, it says, in verse 8, to convict the world. Is this a, a psychological conviction, an intellectual conviction, a convincing? Rather, I would say it's a theological conviction. Thomas Goodwin says that the Spirit shall be a converter and convincer of the world. That is, the glory of the conversion of the Gentiles, the nations, is reserved for him in and through the ministry of the disciples. So in order to accomplish this, the Spirit has to convince sinners of their need for salvation and the danger of the coming of the day of the Lord. So let's look first at how the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of sin. Let's talk about, firstly, how this is a theological conviction. Verse 9 says, well, verse 8 says, When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. And verse 9, it says, In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. You see, what we need to understand here is that sin is more than an isolated bad deed. Or a bad thought. Sin is more than that. It consists in the state of unbelief. We sin because we do not believe. And in order to understand this a little bit better, we could look exactly, for example, at the commandment and the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not murder. And today we heard about the murder that is taking place in our nation in the form of, a bur- of, of, of abortion. And that abortion is a representation of people who are not believing that God's commandment of you shall not murder is actually a commandment of blessing. That the way of death is destruction. And if you believe in me, you will follow the path of life. So sin is not simply a bad deed or a bad thought. It is the state of unbelief. Matthew Henry calls it the great reigning sin, unbelief that is. And unbelief has now been fully exposed by Christ's coming into the world. What do I mean by that? I mean by that that Christ's revelation is an opportunity 
for the people of the world to either believe and put their trust and faith in him or to not believe. Christ tells us here that it is the Spirit's mission when he sends the Spirit to press the reality of the world's sin upon them despite their unbelief. That it is the Holy Spirit's job to convince people of their need for a Savior and therefore their need to believe in Jesus Christ. Part of the Spirit's work in the world is to reveal to the world that the true and purest nature of their sin is that they have not believed in Christ as their Savior, but rather they have rejected Him. So what do I mean by this? I mean that the Holy Spirit has come to apply the work of Christ to those in the world. He has come to make us believers. He has come that by his power we may come to believe. And the path towards believing is realizing our need because of our own unrighteousness. Our own sin. So if all of you here this morning are believers in Jesus Christ. It is because the Holy Spirit has come to you, convinced you of your sin, of your unbelief, and caused you to turn to the Lord. That is the Spirit's work in this world, to convict it of sin. He has done that work in us. People do not come to Jesus just because they think he is nice or because they think it'll make their life easier or better. People come to Jesus truly, earnestly, because they know that they are sinners and that he is the only way to receive forgiveness for those sins. That is the Holy Spirit's work of convicting the world of sin. But let's look at the Holy Spirit's work of convicting the world of righteousness. In verse 10 it says, In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. This might at first seem a bit confusing, so let me try to explain. First thing that we need to understand is that there is a, a real righteousness And there is a counterfeit righteousness. And the righteousness that Jesus is speaking about here can be seen to be both. But let's first look at the counterfeit righteousness. The Holy Spirit comes to convict the world of its false sense of righteousness. A self-righteousness. And a pride in its own works and glory. James Montgomery Boyce says, human righteousness is like monopoly money. It has its uses in the game we call life, but it's not real currency and it does not work in God's domain. When Jesus says that the Holy Spirit comes to convict the world in regard to righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer, 
He is saying that the Holy Spirit is going to reveal to the world, to press upon the world, that the righteousness they have is a false righteousness. It is a house of cards. And it is a righteousness that if they trust in that, if they put their faith in that, their own good works, their own righteousness, they will be doomed. And the reason why he mentions his departure is because The Holy Spirit convicts the world of its own false righteousness precisely at the point of Christ's departure. Because Christ's absence is the seal of his death by crucifixion, which was the world's so-called righteous judgment upon him. What do I mean by that? I mean that when the Jews gathered around and screamed out to Pontius Pilate, crucify him, crucify him, what they were saying is, He's the unrighteous one. We're the righteous ones. He's the one that deserves death. We deserve life. And when Christ died and three days later rose from the dead, that was God saying, no, he's the one who's righteous and you deserve death. And it is, in fact, the Holy Spirit's revealing to the world their counterfeit righteousness that the Holy Spirit reveals to the world also as the flip side of the coin, you could say, the real righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. Therefore, the Spirit also comes to convict the world of the true righteousness found only in Jesus Christ. Christ's going to the Father not only reverses the verdict of the Jewish leaders who condemned him. It also proves that Christ's saving work is accepted by the Father. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the Father's seal of approval. His vindication of the Son. Meyer says, The work of Jesus on man's behalf finished at the cross, accepted by the Father, of which the resurrection is witness presented by our great high priest within the veil is the momentous truth which the Holy Spirit brings home to the convinced sinner. So not only do people not turn to Jesus just because they think he's a good guy, just because they think that what he teaches is nice and neat and makes for a better and easier life, but because they know that they are sinners in need of forgiveness. But people turn to Jesus Christ because they know that he is the only one who has the righteousness that they need. You see, it's not enough to simply be forgiven of our sins. We also need the perfect righteousness that Christ offers. That's why the scriptures tell us He who knew no sin became sin for us that what? We might become the righteousness of God. So that when God looks upon us, he not only sees a forgiven sinner just as if we had never sinned, but he also sees his son who was perfectly obedient to him. And what you need to understand this morning is that not only has the Holy Spirit done a work in you, in me, in us, by revealing to us the true sinful nature that we have. 
by revealing to us that we need forgiveness of our sins. But the Holy Spirit has done a work in us by showing us that Christ's righteousness is what we need. That Christ's righteousness is our only hope. The Holy Spirit has come to apply the work of Christ to those of us in the world to make us believers so that we might believe, so that we might see that Christ not only died for our sins, but in his dying for our sins, gives us his righteousness. That's the Holy Spirit's work in this world in regards to sin, in regards to righteousness. But what about judgment? Verse 11 says, And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. What we need to understand is that the gospel, the crucified and risen Jesus Christ, is the seal of the ultimate defeat and condemnation of Satan. Colossians 2.15, Paul says, having disarmed principalities and powers, that is Jesus Christ, he made a spectacle of them, triumphing over them in the cross. And with that imagery, we get this idea that Jesus going to the cross, Satan and all of his minions are gathered around, and they're thinking, this is the end. We're finally going to defeat the Son of God. We're going to have a one-over on God. We're going to beat him right here, right now. And then when the cross happens and the resurrection is given, it's Jesus going, nah, 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 to all the powers of darknesses and principalities. Something we often don't think about, but there is a spiritual world amongst us. There are enemies, demons, Satan. And what is being said here is that the Holy Spirit comes into the world to reveal ultimately and finally that Satan has lost. The victory has been accomplished. So the Holy Spirit comes into the world to convict the people of the world that if you're placing your bets on Satan, you're placing your bets on the loser. It's like being at the horse track and already knowing who's going to lose and putting all your money on that horse. I'm not encouraging betting, by the way. It's just an analogy. Satan has lost already. A fatal wound has been inflicted. His judgment is certain. His condemnation shall come. His end is destined to destruction. You see, unlike the, the popular imagery of our day where, where Satan's dominion is in hell, where he has all of his demons and he has his little horns, the Bible tells us that hell is actually a place created for Satan and his demons. And they will be cast into the lake of fire to be destroyed forever. The Heidelberg Catechism tells us 
about the condemnation of the devil in Lord's Day 1, question and answer 1, when it says that Christ freed us from the tyranny of the devil. Skip Ryan says, in the triumph of Christ, the false one, the liar, the accuser, who wants to hold up to us false standards of judgment has been defeated. The accuser lies and tells us to see ourselves in the way of the world. Jesus comes to reveal him as a liar. And we could say the Holy Spirit comes to reveal him, that is Satan, as a liar. In a positive light, the Spirit's condemnation of the devil or of evil of itself is actually a work of grace. He convicts, the Holy Spirit convicts in order to convert. He reproves in order to redeem. He comes into the world to show you that you are trusting in the ways of the world, which leads to condemnation, judgment. He comes to show us that having Satan as our father ends an ultimate death. You understand that the Holy Spirit has come to apply the work of Christ to those in the world. We all once, as Ephesians 2 says, were children of wrath. And the reason why we have been transferred from the domain of darkness and brought into the kingdom of God is not because Jesus chose to stay and be physically present with his disciples, but it is because Jesus chose to ascend to the Father that he might send us the Spirit who has applied the work of Christ to us. So the disciples were thinking, how could Jesus leaving be possibly a good thing? And what they didn't realize was that Jesus leaving them meant that Jesus would go from being outside of them to being in them. So then they would not only hear his teaching but his teaching would be written on their hearts. Then they would not only have his word that he has cleansed them, but he would have, they would have the cleansing, the washing of regeneration of the Holy Spirit. Everything that you have now, by your union with Christ, all the benefits that Christ receives as the Son of God, whom now we have access to, happens because we have the Spirit, because the Spirit is with us. We have become believers because the Spirit's work in the world of which we all belong to at one point was to convict us of sin of the false righteousness that we put our hope and trust in and of the ultimate condemnation and judgment of Satan which we would have participated in if not for the goodness and grace of God and Jesus Christ. 
Christ must leave so he can send the Spirit to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And Christ left, and we are recipients of the Spirit. And people of God, may you be so thankful. May you be so grateful that the Spirit has done a work in you to convict you of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that Christ did sin, the Spirit. That the Spirit has been poured out on us. That we might come to know you as our Father instead of Satan. That we might come to know of our sins and our need for forgiveness, that we might come to know the counterfeit righteousness that we are putting and placing our faith and trust in, that we might partake of the real righteousness of Christ Jesus. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that we might know that in the cross, the devil has been defeated and that we don't want to be on his team any longer. We want to be on the winning side. We want to be found in your family as your children. That we may spend eternity with you. Praising you for the salvation we've received in Jesus Christ. That has been applied to us by the Holy Spirit. Until that day comes. When the judgment, condemnation of the prince of this world is fully seen and the kingdom of this world becomes the kingdom of God. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.